the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. When I think strategy, when I plan these shows, I, I try in my head of heads to look at everything, everything I see that day as how does that relate to money? And I'll give you a quick example, and I'm not going to go into it long on this, but dating the right person. Financially speaking, it's super important. Two people living under one roof is better than one person. You can save a lot of money on groceries. You can save a lot of money on rent. Maybe save money on transportation. Share cost of vacations. There's some money, there's some money savers in there, right? But if I see an article or I do a little research on like 17 signs, and it's one of the pieces of advice I give clients and their, their kids is make sure your kids in their 20s. I'm not saying don't get married, but try to marry wisely. Uh, if I got married in my 20s, it would have been a divorce. I just wasn't ready. And I know that now. Um, in my 30s, I was like, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. And I, I married wrong. I think I married a pretty woman who did everything right on the outside, but her and I did not match on the inside. So if I see something like on your first date, if they run late and they don't tell you, that's a flag for me. Um, if they want to meet somewhere that makes me uncomfortable, like I want to meet at a coffee shop at seven in the morning or eight in the morning where it's a hustling and bustling. If you want to do coffee on a park, that's great. But if you know you want to meet at a bar, that may not be the right fit for her kind of thing. So pay attention to signs like that. Um, dating is, is part of your financial success or failure in life. I can tell you that divorce is expensive. And um, I see it ruin people financially. You know what I see ruin people financially? Real estate and divorces. And also being addicted to toys. But we'll talk about that later. And toys, I mean cars. Um. I want to talk about some money experts and I'm going to go all over the place today. I could do the Aretha Franklin and her will being found in a couch. Can you imagine she had two wills and the most updated one was found in a freaking fracking couch. Um, wills let your final thoughts be known. It's, you know, if you loved your kids, if you didn't love your kids, if they took care of you, if they didn't take care of you. Uh, you saw a prince die in 2016 without a will, and it took six years for his squabbling family members to finally divide up his $156 million estate. Charities he supported during his life lost out. He may have wanted to leave money to charities. Nope. His siblings, his heirs battled for it all. James Brown in 2006. Most of his will left $100 million in a charitable trust. That would fund scholarships for disadvantaged children. But it did get mired down in litigation for 15 years before his will, his final will and testament was honored. Because people were squabbling over it. He got to update these plans. Rick Ocasek. I remember in the 1980s, 
well, you might think I'm crazy. Um, MTV video, beautiful, beautiful. Paulina Porshkova. Um, I'm like, wow, he's kind of an ugly dude, and he's married to her. Like, whoa. Well, as he got older, and he was older than her, as he aged poorly and into cancer, he says she abandoned him. So that whole marriage, as long as it lasted, he's like, he's like, nope, she gets nothing. Wow. Uh, now, again, through the legal recourse, she got to ultimately receive a third of his multimillion dollar value. Um, but it's a weird thing to say, prepare for death. Uh, what was the movie Princess Bride? I'm Enrico Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. I like that because it, it's a nice introduction. It gives you a little bit of a backstory, a little bit of fact about the person. He tells you what to expect from the relationship. That was a clever movie. So anyway, um, don't be like Aretha Franklin. If you want to leave money to charity, as I get older, I want to leave more and more money to charities. And what's interesting about this is for me, my charities are things like fields for kids. Um, I live in a beautiful part of the country and um, because of water shortages, they don't necessarily water all the school fields. And if I can help figure that out with a check when I die or while I'm alive, I would love to. Um, I take my dog to a dog park and I'd love to give money to that dog park because it's a big community. They've got a lot of grass. Everyone cleans up after their dogs. Everyone's happy. Um, I would name the field, but then you'd stalk me and find me and I don't want that. And you'd meet zero one one zero one zero one, um, which is the international code for murder. You don't want to meet my dog. She's got soft ears and she's lovable, um, but she's got a killer name. Um, so again, isn't it sad that Prince might've wanted to give his money to charity and that didn't happen because he's too lazy to do a well, probably thought he was going to live forever. Whoops. One too many opioids ain't going to happen. Um, and then update your estate every five years. Can't reiterate how important that is. I've got a certified financial planner, Brad, who I talked to this week and, um, my financial conditions change. Um, I've got high net, high, high constantly, high concentrated positions in Apple and in Microsoft. Um, I've made a lot of money in the last year in NVIDIA. And he's like, do you want to update your estate? Do you still want this and this to go to your kids? Do you still want this and this to go to charity? And every five years I need to update it because my net worth is growing significantly. And I don't want my kids having a windfall of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million, whatever it's going to be. Uh, I want some of that to go to charity or I want to set up a charitable foundation that they decide who gets the money in their lifetime. Let them be the rock star who gives out money. I don't know. I don't like the attention. If you know what I'm saying. Um, I like looking at financial advice from experts or so-called experts. Um, but a lot of times what I do like, no, that's not quite right. Like Dave Ramsey says, create a budget. Great. That's great financial advice. Invest in 401k plans. Great. I think that's fantastic advice. And then he says, also use mutual funds. I don't like that. He says use mutual funds because he's got a network of financial advisors who make money by putting you in high fee mutual funds. So he can't say don't buy mutual funds and then work with my uh, advisors because they're doing the, the high fee mutual funds, which I'm telling you, you don't want. You want low cost index ETFs. 
uh, or slowly but surely accumulate stock that you feel comfortable with after you have $100,000 diversified. So do you see how I like two of his investment points? I don't think he's really an expert. He's not a, a CFP. He's got no accreditation at all. His, his education is, oh, I went bankrupt once. And there's something to be said for getting on a microphone and giving your, your spiel. Uh, Mark Cuban, he's an interesting cat, um, in my opinion. Is he financially trained background? Nope. He was just a hustler as a kid. He sold candy at his uh, high school. Which led to, which led to, which led to. We'll talk about advice from experts and much, much more. What's good, what's bad. It's a strategy show. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Cody Bennett has died at age 96. Bennett called Frank Sinatra his best friend, role model, and hero, even though they did not meet that often. Interesting, right? Bennett sold 50 million albums worldwide. He recorded hundreds of songs. He won 20 Grammy Awards. And I guess the Grammys gave him a Lifetime Achievement Award as well. Let's talk about his money. I live in Marin County. He lived in Marin County and had a mansion with seven bedrooms and an incredible view of San Francisco. So it had to be somewhere near Mount Tamalpai, I'm thinking. Um, but he had Alzheimer's disease. Um, as a kid, I couldn't say the words. I called it Alzheimer's disease. He was slowly fading away in the last few years. He went public um, with a diagnosis la- two years ago. Because having a diagnosis ruins careers, uh, which I find tragic in the United States. If I get cancer, I'm going to talk about it on air. And I hope I die on air, which is kind of a weird thing to say. Uh, I prefer TV than radio, but a good heart attack would teach people, like, watch your weight. Uh, Exercise. But back to Tony Bennett. This show is not all about me. Died at age 96. He died this morning. Um, his net worth was 200 million large. And I go, how did he make that kind of money? Well, I guess it was the Grammys, right? Uh, it doesn't seem like his record sales were that much. And he was doing it many, many, many years ago. Now he's done some things with Lady Gaga or Gaga, 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 um, 50 million records worldwide. He was an accomplished painter. That's always interesting. That's something I try to do once a week. Uh, work on some oils. Um, I used to work with acrylic, and I just I changed. I crossed over. Awesome. My painting, my paintings aren't good. Uh, one of his paintings, Tony Bennett's painting, sold for eighty thousand um, dollars. Keep talking about him. I think this kind of we were just talking about celebrities dying without a will, right? I don't know his scenario. In two thousand ten, he put his mansion up for sale at twenty seven point five million. Um, in the end, it didn't sell, it didn't sell, it didn't sell. Five years later, he sold it for $15.5 million. I bet if he had held it, it'd be worth $40 million now because uh, he, he put it on the market as the real estate market was crashing. Huh? Huh? It had its three bad years right there. So he lost five, $12 million on timing. Ooh, ouch. Um, of note, he struggled with addiction in his life, which sadly cost him his whole fortune almost. During the 1970s, his addiction started to take a turn for the worse. 
Rolling Stone um, article on him talked about his financial troubles. Can you imagine being a popular singer, having addiction problems and a freaking fracking um, music magazine starts writing about your net worth? Ooh, I would not like that at all. Um, he said in his 2011 uh, biography that he was drug addled with uppies, downies and sleepies. Now, that could be the best part of today. I've now learned that uppers, downers uh, have nicknames of uppies and downies. Oh, like, that's mom. kind of awesome. That's kind of awesome. You have to be one cool cat. And we'd all agree Tony Bennett was one cool cat to refer your drugs as uppies, downies and sleepies. The dude lived through the Great Depression in the United States. 96 years old. You can go back in time and figure, you know, 20, 1927 uh, ish. Right. Um, and he said it wasn't as dark of a period as his drug period. Uh, even though we ain't got money, I'm still in love with you, honey. Like that ability to be happy with no money is is far better off than being drug addled with uppies, downies, and sleepies. Tony eventually owed something like one point two million dollars uh, in the 1970s. So he was he was down and out. Now again, the story has a happy ending: two hundred million dollars. But he was down and out in the 70s. His mother died in 1977. His addiction spiraled out of control. It's believed that he almost died of a cocaine overdose. He was found in his bathtub by his then wife, Sandy Grant. And that's when the dude started putting his life back together. Uh, It took until the 1990s for his son to become his manager and help him write his financial ship. But the dude was a star in the 60s. He won his first Grammy in 1962, bankrupt in the late 70s, or almost bankrupt, owed a lot of money. Dead, 96 years old. Uh, $200 million. So how did he make his money? Um, Real estate, investments, album sales, royalties, being a concert guy. Um, I guess he would refer to that as a musician performer. And uh, that's all I have on him. So um, at some point today, play I Left My Heart in San Francisco. And I think you won't regret it. So, uh, but again, let's go back to the regular scheduled programming. Rob Black and your money. Um, I was talking earlier about experts and how some of them all agree with some of them I don't. And some of them are self-proclaimed experts. Like Dave Ramsey, he doesn't have a degree in anything. He He's never worked on Wall Street. He's never like he's just a, a dude who's been on the planet for a long time and he's learned some lessons. I don't necessarily like many of his lessons. So he's in the news right now for um, companies that go after timeshares that promise big but deliver very little after you've given them a big chunk of cash. Um, And that's probably a commercial relationship. He recommends mutual funds that have high fees. That's not a good thing, but that's how his advisors make money. Um, The one person who is a guru on TV or not even on TV, but when he's on TV, I pay attention. When he's in an article, I pay attention. It's Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett's the one of the wealthiest men on the planet. He's given away more money than you can dream of. And his advice is buy index funds. 
when trillions of dollars are managed by Wall Streeters charging hard high fees, it'll usually be um, the managers who make big, big money and not the clients. He says the way to beat that is stick with low cost index funds. I love that man. Warren Buffett's my guru. He's my Buddha. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't want to work forever? Check out the retirement planning guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. What an interesting end of the year. I'm at briefing.com right now, and I'm reading their stock market update. Disappointing 2024 revenue guidance from FedEx, contributing to the slowdown worries. We're kind of dealing with a kind of a teeter-totter here of, yes, the Fed Reserve did raise interest rates in 2022 and 2023, have not cut rates yet, but the expectation is now 2024. Uh, but that raising of rates is slowing down retail. We've heard it from many retailers as they reported their last quarter's numbers. There's geopolitical angst in the Middle East and China. There's a little normal consolidation after a big run-up on the stock market, and there's relative strength in many mega-cap stocks because America loves mega-cap stocks. Let's bring in the one, the only from briefing.com, Patrick O'Hare. I start my day each and every day with briefing.com. I always look forward to seeing your page one update. Patrick O'Hare, happy end of the year, happy big market rally, and let's have a good 2024. How are you today? Yeah, hi, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thanks. It's great to be back with you, and uh, we appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. I appreciate briefing.com. It's something that I, I get to the highest towers that I can and say, this is solid content. And it, I think it empowers and enables investors to have more informed decisions, both locally, nationally, and uh, internationally as well. Lots going on there. Um, a, Market's a little lower today after a massive run in the fourth quarter of the year. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, the the run that we've had, and is it sustainable to fall over into twenty twenty four? Sure. Yeah. Well, actually, as we as we speak, it's you know, the market's just tipped back into positive territory for the day. So it's been indicative of the trend, uh, you know, that's been unfolding here since late October. Just a truly, truly extraordinary rally here. Which exposed the degree of, you know, sh- short, uh, selling activity we, uh, that had been in place, uh, the underweighted positioning that had been in place, um, and, uh, and really just the, you know, kind of like the, uh, the extreme cash balances that were sitting out there. And, and what I mean is you've seen this, the, this massive rally built on the back of short covering activity, uh, a repositioning from underweight positions to equal to overweight positions in equities, and kind of a you know a what we call a flat squeeze, meaning you have fearful investors out on the sidelines seeing cash now watching the market go up and getting squeezed back into it on the fear of missing out on further gains. So there's been a lot of um, uh, mechanical factors here, uh, a lot of technical drivers but also a fundamental driver, too, uh, in the fact that interest rates have come down and come down quickly uh, and have come down a long way since what we saw in October, and that's just created this very good vibe, so to speak, that has a lot of people wanting to get back into the equity market here at, at the end of the year. Um, to the second part of your question, can this continue? 
Um, well, not at this pace, obviously. Um, you look at a stock chart, and you can see the parabolic moves that the indices have made, so it's natural to, that there would be some consolidation off of that. But can the uh, newfound upbeat attitude persist? We think so, uh, as long as you see continued strength in the labor market, and as long as you can see continued belief in this soft landing, soft landing outlook, and as long as uh, the Fed uh, delivers on the market's rate cut expectations. So those are some important caveats. Uh, but at the moment, because the preponderance of those things are all still apparent in the market's mind, uh, you have this willingness to buy dips here even in the year end and a willingness to think that uh, the market should have another good year in 2024. I think the 10-year Treasury being down at 3.88%, as you highlight in your page one column, I think that, too, is a big driver because for about a month there, I was feeling kind of rich, putting my cash in money markets and getting five and a quarter percent. But I have to imagine those rates are coming down now. Um, I think that's a little bit of it. But you know, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, undoubtedly, you know, it's yeah. been the recipe for multiple expansion here uh, in okay. this rally effort, too. Um, you know, lower rates are, are ultimately good for stock prices, uh, assuming they're going down for the right reasons. And the perspective right now is they are going down for the right reasons, that being uh, inflation is coming back to the Fed's target um, and and the fact that the market thinks that you know, we're going to be pivoting away from this uh, tightening cycle to an easing cycle in 2024. I got a little dramatic this morning because I read in your page one something that shocked me and I let out a big oh no. Um, you talked about the military strikes against the Houthi rebels in Yemen as potentially uh political problems with this market to deal with. You were basing that on a Bloomberg report. You also reported that NBC News, uh, Chinese President Xi and President Biden at the San Francisco meeting last month, uh, that Xi told uh, Biden that China will reunify Taiwan with China, preferably peacefully, but the timing of the reunification hasn't been determined. And I was like, oh, no, because things are going so well on Wall Street. It's so easy for me to see. And then there's that political curveball of wait wait who are the hoodies and yeah it, it's it was a little bit dramatic for me because i don't want to see china and taiwan how shall we say become a ukraine and russia what are your thoughts on the international headlines that you pointed out this morning right well you know the i think the red sea issue is a little bit it's certainly more of a you know, shorter term issue in that it's right here front and center here um you know you're seeing shipping companies announce that they're rerouting uh and not you know running the risk of being attacked by Houthi militants you know traversing the red sea um and what that only does is like it interrupts or supply chains uh and it's you know going to make the cost of shipping goods you know ultimately more expensive and so um, so you want something like that to get resolved quickly, you know, because, again, it's, if, as we talk about inflation coming down, we're not down to the Fed's target yet. Uh, the Fed is still mindful that, you know, things can change to, you know, uh, and that progress can stall. And if the Fed thinks that the progress on inflation is stalling, they have said that they, you know, would be willing to raise rates again, which is obviously very much against the market's belief in terms of where the rate path is headed. Um, so, so that's an issue right here that we need to, you know, still deal with. I think it will likely be dealt with, um, now that, uh, the U S 
uh, and its allies seem to be, you know, coalescing around the fact that you just can't let that happen um, in the Red Sea. Um, as, with respect to the China-Taiwan issue, I guess I could say that um, it's always been an issue. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, the report, which I didn't have a, the opportunity to really uh, expound on in that particular column, just given the nature of the column, you know, as you read it, it's just it, it does show that uh, President Xi was effectively just reiterating the position he's always maintained in front of President Biden, um, is that China does seek the reunification with Taiwan, and it wants to do so peaceably. So uh, that's certainly a strategic aim of theirs, and that, that is ultimately the huge question out there from a geopolitical standpoint is uh, how and when does that get achieved? Um, and, uh, you know, and right now the, the answer is unknowable, but uh, President Xi certainly made it known that, uh, you know, that's their aim. Um, so just you know, obviously keeps that ripple of geopolitical uncertainty flowing. Uh, but that's always the case, whether it's China, Taiwan, something in the Middle East. You just never know. Um, it's always a risk factor for the market. But, you know, we have a market today that's, you know, on the cusp of, you know, uh, pressing a new record closing high for the S&P 500, a Dow Jones Industrial Average at a record high. Um, you know, so uh, you don't have a market necessarily living in fear of these things at the moment. Um, because it's so preoccupied with this um, interest rate picture. We've got just a couple minutes left, Mr. O'Hare. I want to say happy holidays to you and your family. Thank you for another great year. I look forward to any content that you give us next year. It helps feed my financial mind. Um, any last thoughts that you want to throw into the year? You've got about a minute and a half to two minutes. Well, I'd like to extend the same. Well, first of all, thank you, Rob, for that. It's been a pleasure speaking with you on, on a nearly weekly basis here, uh, not only this year, but for, gosh, you know, many, many years. Right. Um, and wish, you know, your listeners the best of holidays as well. And, you know, I think as we look to 2024, um, there's a lot of optimism going into it based on kind of the price action in the stock market. Um, you can see a stock market divorce itself at times from the economy. The stock market is not the economy, right? And so we do have to be mindful that, you know, his, history does tell us that the lag effect of a tightening cycle uh, does hit, you know, the economy. Uh, and it's a matter now is like how much and, and, you know, how impactful will it be? You know, we anticipate a slower economic environment in 2024, uh, and we're kind of espousing a view to take kind of more of a balanced approach to the market in 2024 with kind of a reversion to that traditional 60-40 portfolio, so to speak, uh, where you've got a nice mix of stocks and bonds so that you can uh, capitalize on good opportunities that come your way, but also be prepared for the more difficult times that might arise for any number of factors, um, whether they be disappointment over the Fed not meeting the market's ex- expectations or the geopolitical factor uh, or an earnings you know, pullback of some kind. So just take a balanced approach, uh, and hopefully we'll uh, have another good year in 2024. Thank you very much. It is Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international news. I use the website. I've used it for 20-plus years. He's snickered how long we've worked together. It's been a wonderful relationship. I highly recommend Briefing.com. Live market coverage. They cover IPOs. They cover economic calendars and much, much more. Technicals, which I'm not very good at, even after all of these years. I don't know if anyone's great technically is my fear. 
but they've got big pictures, which is his uh, column that he puts out together at the end of the week to give you some perspective. They talk about the whole market and how it's doing. Lots of content at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. And a wonderful guest, Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. I'm Rob Black. This interview featured on The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. I know people that will move to Texas to save money. I like Texas. I have nothing against Texas, but I really like California. And I don't mind spending a little more to live here. But high earners in New York could save 40% of their salary by moving to Texas. A new study has shown. I get it. I get why high earners would want to get out of New York City. I love New York City. Great city to visit. Great city to live in in your 20s for like a year or two. When you don't mind having an apartment and you're bringing, uh, you're falling in love and you bring your crush over, you're like, I'm going to cook dinner for you. And she's like, oh, look, it's your kitchen. I see, like she can stand in one spot and say, I can see your kitchen, your bathroom and your bedroom all in the same room. And you're like, yeah, I, I hope to get something bigger later. Whoa. Um, but let's just put it this way. If you had uh, uh, food that upset your stomach, you might not get a second. You know, you, she might not stick around if she stuck around late into the night. And in the middle of the night, you're having toilet issues because you're right on top of each other. But high earners in New York could save 40% of their salary by moving to Texas. Woo! New York City has higher tax rates and higher living costs. The cost of living in New York is 122% higher than the national average. But also the salaries are a lot higher, right? So this obviously goes for New York and San Francisco. Um, You're seeing Americans can save by moving to Austin, Texas. New York is on a salary of between 150 to 650,000 could save 43% by living in Austin. Thus, a person on a $650,000 could save $258,000 living in Austin. This is because after accounting for tax and the cost of living, you'd have only $160,000 left in New York, but in Austin, you have $418,000. I know lawyers who live in Texas, and Monday morning at 5 a.m., they're on a private jet, fly into San Francisco. They do their, their they open their laptops, billable hour, billable hour. It's a three-hour flight. All three are billable hours. They land. They go to the offices, work for the day. Um, maybe stay at a hotel or maybe fly home. Ain't that something? We now live in a society where you can take a helicopter or an airplane to work and save more money based on where you want to live. Again, that's where my financial planning is bad. I don't mind California. And for instance, when it came time to buy a vacation home, a second home for the kids, a fortress of solitude, somewhere that they feel safe. Um, I could have gone Nevada, but that would have been an extra hour and a half drive in the snow. And I'm like, nope. Uh, a three hour, four hour drive already is tough enough with kids. And you make that five or six hours. No, 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 no. So I, I went on the California side. Not very smart, financially speaking. Because um, I could have made it my house 51% of the time and saved a lot on taxes which is where I did live during COVID for, you know, a good eight months. And that was great living. And uh, I made some bonds with my kids that are great. And, you know, as they get older, I I will always remember those because as they get older, they want less and less of me, which is sad. 
Um, we'll see if they're still in the well. Uh, there's 20 lottery winners who have lost it all, and there's great stories on lottery winners who lose it all. Typically, they suddenly think that they're good at business or they're good at charity or they're good at giving money to friends and family. Um, just throwing that down there on you. There is one winner, uh, Martin Tot, 33 years old, won $5 million. Um, when you start taking a look at what happened after that, it was tragic on how all that money puts a strain on your marriage um, and ultimately leads to divorce. And I don't know. I threw that down there because uh, the lottery has been in the news big, bigly recently. And uh, best thing you do is keep your mouth shut about you winning. Go get an attorney. Um, go get an accountant. And um, figure out how you're going to set it up the way you want to before friends and family start asking you for money. I think that's fair. Um, anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. One area that I always want to focus on, if I can teach you anything today, and I think this has been a good strategy show. I think it's really been a good show, all things considered. And uh, Tell friends about the show and pass the word on, please. Um, the biggest mistake I ever made, and I still make on occasion, is procrastination. Um, my company, EP Wealth, changed who does their HSA and FSA. And... I like getting that money invested as soon as possible. And then suddenly I'm like, oh boy, the year's halfway over and I haven't changed. I, I get the deposits. It's all good. But I like that money going into investments. And on a year where the SP 500's up 18% in the first half of the year, I, I pooched the punt there. That's only like $4,000. But I know you're saying, Rob, you are an entitled jerk. It's only $4,000, but you get the idea. Um, I use a high deductible insurance plan so that it's lower cost so I can save more money and invest more money and One. kind of breaking my own rule, if you know what I'm saying, because I procrastinate it at the beginning of the year due to lack of motivation. Um, fear of failure. Why do we procrastinate? Um, lack of motivation, fear of failure, failure, um, lack of willpower. So one of the things that I do on a regular basis is I've got eight by 10 cue cards that I tape on my computer on all the things that I want to accomplish this week. <sighs> Work on insurance, um, FSA, HSA, work on website, make sure dividends and UTMAs are going to be reinvested. Uh, work on winter plan for the vacation home. Like I have an itinerary, catch mice at the winter home, and it's all on a cue card. I love lists. They stop me from procrastinating. You find me online at Roblox Show, Twitter Roblox Show, YouTube Roblox Show. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Thank you. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.